welcome to So It's a Show, the only place where we talk about murder and feel super chipper. Now that Murder <laughs> She Wrote is no longer on the air, I'm Taylor. I'm Kyla. And we're happy to have you on our podcast here, our little town where 2% of the population dies. But it's okay, <laughs> we have lots of local fishing establishments and gift shops. My garden is absolutely beautiful and my bike has a basket. And there are wineries and everyone types on a typewriter. Isn't it quaint? Yes. Old vintage houses. What more could you ask for? Nothing. <laughs> Except for a murder every once in a while. That'd be great. Oh, yes. And you know what's even better about it is we don't even need the police officers because our local detective writer is the one who solves all the cases. And man, are her brownies good at PTA meetings. <laughs> Everybody give it up for Jessica Fletcher. She's our unspoken co-host today. Welcome, Jessica. Oh, thank you, ladies. It's so lovely for you to have us. (laughs) So lovely for you to have me. Oh, pleasure's ours, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So today we're talking Murder, She Wrote. A not sitcom, like in our last episode. Correct. But a... Murder Mystery Procedural. Ooh. But we'll get into that in a few minutes. So a little bit of a change of tone this week. A little bit. And just jumping right into things we need to talk about. I watched mm-hmm. an episode of Gilmore Girls today. <gasps> I watched it last night. Well, I didn't watch the episode we're talking about. Oh, I know. I watched a different episode okay. last night, too. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, Lorelai, turns out, shared her opinion of sitcoms on Gilmore Girls. Oh, really? She did. Last week, we taught, we were talking about sitcoms, and I was kind of dogging on them. Maybe Lorelai would agree with me. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. I was here when they both arrived. They got their signals crossed. They were supposed to perform different things, but they both came to do the Raven. Suppose start fighting, does that punch a hole in the space-time continuum? And throw us into a universe where everything is the exact opposite of what it is here? Cool, there'll be funny sitcoms there. <laughs> so, I am... Lorelai agrees with me. Sitcoms. <laughs> not that great! At least not in her day, which is when the sitcoms we were talking about were going on. Well, as we established... Sitcoms are, I think, a broader definition than you were originally thinking they were, correct? Correct. However, the sitcoms that I was thinking of were definitely on TV when when this episode would have aired. Got it. Well, way to be smart. Team Lorelai. <laughs> Always good to get her opinion on things. Oh, for sure. And you rarely want for them. Rarely, that is true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The best, you know. The worst. (laughs) Today we're going a bit uh, morbid, you might say. If you hate this topic, get ready to send your emails to show at (laughs) gmail.com. Please send it there and not in our iTunes reviews. (laughs) These are our best and worst deaths on Gilmore Girls. Guys, we are... Reaching a new contrivance of connecting <laughs> to our topic. We've already done mysteries. We've already done court cases. We got a little contrived last time on home renovations. <laughs> 
But just when you thought we were out of ideas, <laughs> we thought of a new literal six feet under low. <laughs> You're so good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, hopefully that will reflect in our answers somehow. I think it or will. Or it won't. Send your angry emails to <laughs> so it's a show at gmail.com. Um, Kyla, what is your favorite death on Gilmore Girls? Oh, man. So I could take this a couple different routes, and I'm going to take it in this way. Mm-hmm. The best death. <laughs> this sounds terrible. She was a nice woman, but. Oh, no. Fran. Oh, Fran. Poor little Fran. Fran was wonderful. She made cake, and Lorelai and Rory exploited her kindness at her bakery when Suki was going to make their cake for Lorelai's <laughs> almost wedding. They knew that, but still taste the cakes they did. But her death was... The episode was pretty funny because... Not because she died... But that, I suppose that was the reason for the situations, but because of how Lorelai and Suki reacted, which was to hound Fran's lawyer, who's taking care of her affairs, as he was carrying her casket around the town square uh, to ask them if they could buy the Dragonfly Inn. So it just, her death was able to be used for good. And isn't that what we all hope? <laughs> That in our life, and even in our death, that we can do a little good in the world. And poor Fran didn't seem to know what was coming. Let's not forget a few episodes earlier when Suki and Lorelai tried to buy the inn from her. She did not seem to fathom that one day she might go on a long vacation and never return. Oh, man. That nice euphemism just went right over her <laughs> little bun-topped head. Yeah, it sure did. Poor Fran. Poor Fran. Okay, Taylor, your turn. What was the best death? Uh, my best death. <laughs> my favorite death. My favorite murder. Isn't that a show? Maybe one day we'll cover that. <laughs> my favorite non-murderous death, because I don't think there are any murders in Gilmore mm, Girls, mm -mm. except for Jess's murderous prank outside of Dozie's Market, correct? Yes. Which throws everyone in a tizzy. Mm-hmm. My favorite death is not because I wish death upon anyone, although there have been a few moments I've come close with the Life and Death Brigade, <laughs> but I would say it is because this character was no good to pretty much everyone in the show, and his death opened up a new world for the characters that they could not experience before. One Professor Asher Fleming, <laughs> who had a very unhealthy, toxic, manipulative relationship with one Paris Geller, yeah. and just was so unhealthy, so inappropriate, and I, while of course I did not necessarily wish him dead, I think he could have also gone off to Harvard or Stanford or some other Ivy League school, but then mm -hmm. I suppose he would troll on other young women there because he died Paris got to actually be a young woman and find people to be in healthier quote unquote <laughs> maybe not 
healthy, but healthier relationships, like with Doyle down the road. Yeah. And was also weirdly manipulative and um, blackmailish to Rory. Not a fan. No. And I was just, I'll never forget what Rory asked Paris when Paris told her that Asher oh. was dead. Asher's dead. What? He died two weeks ago in Oxford. Oh, Paris, I'm sorry. How? Heart attack. It was quick. Heart attack? Yes. Um, it wasn't during, um, was it? No, Rory. This great man was not brought down by my vagina. Least favorite. Well, I think that, I mean, this one's kind of a obvious, pretty sad one. Mm-hmm. Richard. Yeah. I mean, mostly because it, I mean, the actor died in real life. So just really hard I, on the actors and yeah. I'm going to two for that one. I'm going to pair up because a, it's extra sad because he was a loss in real life. So that's the real reason to clarify. Mm-hmm. That is the real reason this is sad, but also in the context of the show, if you do the whole death of the author theory and don't even know that just knowing how terribly it impacts his family and friends. And he was a great part of the community. Yeah. So, uh, best and worst deaths. We should have started on the worst, ended on the goofier things. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Next time. Well, because here's my now weird transition. Richard is the main focus of this episode. In fact, his name is in the name of the episode. So, I suppose as a little bit of a tribute to our least favorite death, here is an episode where he really gets to shine, and Edward Herman gives a great performance. Today, we are covering a pop culture reference in the episode 212, Richard in Stars Hollow, and the IMDb plot summary is, Newly retired Richard is driving Emily crazy, so Lorelai is coerced into taking her father for a day in Stars Hollow, where he proceeds to drive both Lorelai and Rory batty while criticizing every aspect of their lives and refusing to let Rory accept the car that Dean has built for her. Whew, that was a run-on. <laughs> I would say that this is a little bit misleading because he doesn't really drive Rory batty. He only drives Lorelai batty. Yeah, I mean, Rory wants to accept the car, so that's kind of an annoyance, but it doesn't stop her from... I guess it does put a pause on dinner and her actually being able to drive her car. So, she's annoyed, but she's Rory. She's not mad. Mm-hmm. And she is detained by Paris, so she hardly even gets to spend time with Richard because she has to stay after school. Well not stay after school. She has to take Paris to Stars Hollow after school so she can dig up some dirt on Stars Hollow. Yeah. And dig up the the dirt they didn't? Maybe a little, though? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we were trying to rack our brains. We know we referenced this moment elsewhere in another episode of ours of this clip we're about to play, and for the life of us, we cannot remember when we talked about it. But... This is her attempt to dig up dirt on Star's Hollow, and she has just stepped into Luke's diner with Rory. What are you doing? Trying just to blend in, fade away, observe. Hey, Rory. 
Coffee? Thanks, Luke. Who's your friend? Angela Lansbury. Oh. You're the owner here? Yep. You want some coffee, Angela? No, thanks. Okay. So, you're in the diner, huh? Oh, boy. You get a lot of truckers through here? Truckers? Yeah. You know, guys on the road for weeks, lonely, looking for company, a little pick-me-up, things like that. What's she talking about? Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> it's pretty common knowledge that diners are breeding grounds for prostitution and drug dealers. What? Have you ever seen anything like that going down here? Have I ever... What about that guy over there? What's his story? Reverend Nichols? Reverend Nichols, huh? Was that like Dr. Feelgood? So, Taylor, were you familiar with one Angela Lansbury? Well, I know the name Angela Lansbury because of Beauty and the Beast, in which she plays Mrs. Potts Hmm. and sings, Tale as old as time, (laughs) and all these other beautiful notes that I cannot sing. (laughs) You want to try? Well, we don't sing on this podcast, so I don't think that would be appropriate. Right, right. My mistake. Mm -hmm. How about (laughs) you? Did you know Angela Lansbury? I did not. Not a clue. Could have told me she was a model from Timbuktu. (laughs) That is an option for someone named Angela Lansbury. (laughs) Except you should have at least had something tucked away in your little brain because Angela Lansbury made her film debut in Gaslight. What do you know? Remember when we talked about a gaslight? Maybe that was when we referenced this clip, but I don't think so. No. 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 She was the jealous maid living in the home with Ingrid Bergman and Charles Boyer. Little conniving maid. I couldn't believe Mm -hmm. it, but I was, when I was researching, I saw a bunch of photos, and there she was, the maid, and I was like, I know that character. (laughs) She is much more genteel and gentle in this portrayal of Jessica Fletcher than Mm -hmm. she is in Gaslight. Yes, but uh, when I first watched this episode, I didn't know about Gaslight. I'd never seen it, (laughs) so totally in the dark. Oh, but um. So I kind of, oh yeah, I didn't even mean to do that. We'll say I did. <laughs> but I, I guess I just kind of thought that was a journalist. Hmm. That would have been a good connection. Yeah. Yeah, I made the connection of who Angela Lansbury was, but I wasn't really sure what she had to do with the situation. Because like mm-hmm. I said, my number one thing that I knew her for when I first watched Gilmore Girls was Mrs. Potts. Yeah. Which doesn't really work for this. <laughs> no, not really. not really. Unless, you know, because Luke is about to pour Paris some coffee. No. Maybe. Stretch. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that he calls her Angela. And I'm not sure he realizes that's not really her name. I think mostly he just does not care. Touche. Ah, but Rory could have just, yeah, thrown it in there. And he <laughs> didn't know it. That's true. So, the what Angela Lansbury, what we believe that Rory was referencing, is the TV show that she starred in, Murder, She Wrote. Chung Chung. Chung Chung. Also not from this. Yeah. <laughs> it's about a lovely older lady, member of the PTA, mm-hmm. lives in New England. Yes. 
Cabot Cove, Maine, which is a fictional town. Ah, Cabot Cove. Mm-hmm. How cute is that? How cute. And uh, she's kind of good at solving mysteries, particularly murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. I, can I read you? This is just the one-sentence IMDb summary, and I think it is just a cute little description of her. Yeah. Professional writer and amateur sleuth Jessica Fletcher uses her intellect, charm, and persistence to get to the bottom of every crime she encounters. Nice. Just think that portrays her as just a sweet, smart, silly little old lady, mm -hmm. except not as much as the silly as the sweet and smart. Yeah, agreed. Well, I was wondering if you ever um, got through that manuscript from the lady from Lackawanna? Oh, I did. You certainly called it. Yeah. I mean, it was very derivative. Derivative of vintage Matt Matthews. But with a maturity and freshness that just took my breath away from page one clear through to the very end. Yeah, well, I've, uh, what do you say? I'm saying that only one person could have written that book, Matt Matthews himself. So I watched the pilot episode. Did you watch the pilot? <laughs> I did not. Mm. I watched three episodes from season 11. Whoa. Because this show, people, ran 12 seasons. 12! 264 oh episodes from 1984 to 1996. That is insane. That's so long. We keep finding these shows that were on for more than a decade that we never knew. <laughs> I know. And Angela Lansbury was in every single episode. Hmm. And she is the true star. The next person who has the most episode credits only has something like 50. Huh. Tell me about the pilot. In the pilot, we see how she got her start, because she was not always a murder mystery writing, real-life murder mystery solving <laughs> grandma. She's not a grandma, but I just feel like she's a grandma. The way she acts mm. is so grandma-like. She's kind of a grandma to everyone around her. Yeah, she's so wonderful. Mm -hmm. So she wrote a little murder mystery book. No big deal. She let her nephew read it. Mm -hmm. And she just did it for fun. And didn't really think much about it. And you see her go to uh, a play. And she's um, with other PTA ladies. And they need to talk to the director. Because they're bringing the snacks for the showing in their small town. She says to him in passing about the play. Which is about a murder mystery. Oh, the uncle killed her, right? And he's like what and and she lists to him the reasons how she figured it out and as they as she walks away from him he calls his well not on his cell phone but he calls his writer over and says we need to talk because someone figured it out that easily but she's just pretty good so you see her her knack for solving mysteries right away but her son called her up and said that he had sent her manuscript to a publisher and the publisher wanted to publish it and she was like what i just wrote that for fun what are you talking about and so suddenly she is whisked away to the big apple of new york which she the entire trip reminds everyone about how she is not a big city girl this is a <laughs> little much for her 
But uh, as she is going to, she has a bunch of interviews with Barbara Walters, who she also Whoa. had an interview with in real life. She's on these TV shows. People know her. She's like a little celebrity. And one of the parties she goes to, however, there's a murder. Dun, dun, chung, chung. And she has a little romance with her publisher. And okay. uh, turns out, though, not a guy she should be romancing with and kissing because he's the murderer. <gasps> Gasp. Yes. But she confronts him in an interesting scene. So the party that she was at where the murder happened was a dressed like your favorite fictional character costume party. Mm. And so the guy dead in the pool, face down, was dressed in a Sherlock Holmes outfit. But he wasn't the guy who arrived at the party in the Sherlock Holmes outfit. Mm. Someone had switched their clothes. So that added to the intrigue. But she confronts the publisher when she puts it all together, confronts him at the same pool where the murder took place, and he admits it, and they hug. (laughs) And I was like, lady... Get out of there! You found out he's a murderer! He might want to throw you in the pool, too! There are three rifles in this case behind him. He could easily pick one up, shoot her in the face like you did the other guy. But he does not, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> uh, but it was very cute seeing her, watching her navigate New York City, making friends with everyone she encountered, the taxi drivers, the train guy... <laughs> Yeah, she was very beloved. So that was the pilot, and that's how she got her start, and I assume from then on out, she solved crimes in her hometown. Well, I can tell you, this explains a lot, and things did not change through season 11. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, have you ever seen the movie How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? Mm Mm-hmm. So you know, as in many rom-coms, Kate Hudson is playing, she's the lead in this movie. And of course, women in romantic comedies either work for advertising agencies of some sort, or they work for magazines. Yeah. This is just one of the two. So (laughs) that's your two options if you are a rom-com heroine. And in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, she works for a women's interest magazine, kind of like Cosmo or Vogue. Well, not Vogue. More like the Cosmo mm-hmm. Glamour kind of magazine. But in a pitch meeting, they're all in the room together. And these different <laughs> these different women who work for the magazine are pitching different article ideas. And this one person, <laughs> she keeps pitching articles and she keeps describing them as these really depressing topics, but upbeat. <laughs> but literally mm-hmm. everything she's like, it's about a girl who died from anorexia, but it'll be upbeat. <laughs> okay, Lori, let's start with you. Well, the Botox for Beginners piece is done. Now it's a little scary, but mostly upbeat. Now I'm on what your gyno won't tell you, which is also pretty scary, but you know, upbeat. I finished my research on deadly pedicures about the woman who contracted that fungus from the unsterilized tools. It's a terrible story. Although, surprisingly, upbeat. Marvelous. Yeah, there are other, so many other ones like that. Sweet Home Alabama. Mm-hmm. 13 going on 30. She works for a magazine. Mm-hmm. Now, a little bit of a twist in Raising Helen, Kate Hudson works as a 
Not an ad agency, but a modeling agency. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very close. Yeah. Kind of like a crossover of the ad agency and magazine. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's how I felt about Murder, She Wrote. It's really sad, and lots of people die. But it's upbeat. <laughs> yeah. It's just very chipper and for a show that, in all three episodes I watched, had at least two murders. In each? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were two murders in mine, too. Oh, my word. They mm-hmm. have a formula. Yeah. And it seemed to work if it lasted 12 seasons. Yeah. Interesting. You are correct in that because in saying that it was just always so upbeat. She just always was fine. Like all these people are died, but that's okay. Here's a casserole. I will tell you. So the three episodes I watched in season eleven. And by the way, if you decide you are interested in watching the show or you loved the show back in the day and you haven't had been able to find it, it is on a lot on the Hallmark Movies and Mysteries channel, hmm. which is how I watched it. Yesterday I stayed homesick from work and mm. had a little mini marathon with myself. It is a great sick day show. <laughs> but in one episode I watched, episode 1108, Crimson Harvest, <gasps> there's someone who is murdered and it is right before he's about to vote whether his family's shares for their winery are going to go to a rival winery owner and will return to this because the guy playing the rival winery owner might have a Gilmore Girls connection. And then in episode 1109, Murder by Twos, which I think tells you something about the plotting here. The little short snippet plot summary is Jessica searches for a link between the town bully's death and the death of the woman he was having an affair with. (sighs) So the guy who died, the first person who died, he was using a power electric saw and he died while using it. But that's mysterious because he would have used the saw hundreds and hundreds of times before. Why would he have not known how to use it? But she picks up on these little clues like... The woman he was having an affair with, she supposedly hanged herself, but she noticed that the rope was ordered days before that she was about to kill herself. Mm. And that seemed odd, because why would she order it days before instead of just when she decided to have it done? And why would she sign this paperwork? And why would she make all these plans? And then there were little other things, like somebody's hardware store had been broken into, but nothing had been stolen. And she realized it was because someone had gotten in there and tampered with that power saw so that it would go crazy and kill him and electrocute him. Wow, that's really intricate. Mm-hmm. There were lots of just little snippets of details like that that she picked up on. She's good. And Mm-hmm. And then the last one I watched, which I think was probably the best one, was 1110 Murder of the Month Club. And <laughs> I know. Oh, that's funny. And this one made me think a little bit of the movie Joy with Jennifer Lawrence. Did you ever see this? That I one? did watch per your recommendation. <gasps> good. Oh, did, what did you think? I liked it. Good. Yeah. Okay, good. I love when I make recommendations and they are actually worth it and the person <laughs> likes it. <laughs> your recommendations are always good. Yes. Okay, well, knock on wood that that lasts. Yeah. That one made me think of Joy because they are on a long infomercial. She Hmm. is now a very successful author, as you might imagine, 11 seasons later. Yeah. And so she is on this long infomercial with two other murder mystery authors. 
and it's hosted by this really snotty, uptight actor, and this one other author is a drunk, and then there's this other guy who keeps sneaking into the venue of the infomercial, and he's connected to a recent murder that happened in Buffalo, New York, and then it turns out he and the guy who died were actually students in the class of the drunk murder mystery writer. And then there are all sorts of other little things that she picks up on because this guy who keeps sneaking in, he eventually dies. And mm -hmm. she realizes he had had a special ID bracelet on to say that he had an allergy to tonic. What's like tonic? the tonic. You know tonic water? Oh, people can be allergic to that? Well, and I'm butchering it. So there was some sort of chemical in there oh, that okay. he was allergic to and would, I guess, could suffocate him. Hmm. And then, long story short, she finds out the third author that she is on this infomercial with. She is actually the murderer because she was also in that class in Buffalo, New York, and she stole his novel, oh. the first guy who died's novel, and then she published it as her own. Interesting. And there was blackmail and yada yada. So. Nice. All sorts of complicated, a little contrived, but that said, I never guessed the murderer in these three episodes oh. I watched. I was a little suspicious of the publisher, I will say. Hmm. Well, they kind of throw your attention. They start pointing out weird mm, things, and mm -hmm. I think, hmm, maybe it's actually the police chief who did it. Hmm, maybe it's this guy. Yeah. Give you a they lot of They do a good options. job of... Yeah. They definitely give you motive. Oh, this one I didn't even mention. There's a crazy part where people are actually talking about their favorite death, in a way. What? Unlike us. <laughs> in... The one where the guy dies from getting electrocuted from the power saw. Uh -huh. He was a pretty terrible person. Like, everybody in Cabot Cove thought he was just awful. And after he dies, his daughter and wife are so happy, they're literally ripping up his pictures and throwing them in the fire. Oh, see, that's not how you want to go. <laughs> and laughing. <gasps> and laughing. Ooh. <laughs> so. Oh. Send your angry emails to mother and daughter at cabotcove.com. <laughs> Oof, interesting. Yeah, there are all sorts of little weird twists and turns in all of these. Mm -hmm. So overall, would you say you enjoyed the show as a whole? Sure. I don't know if it's one that I'd feel the need to watch a lot, but maybe if it were on and... I was in the mood. Sure, I'd watch it again. I enjoyed it. Angela Lansbury's very charming. Agreed. When it first started playing, I thought, you know, I'm kind of used to uh, teenagers solving crimes, not uh, a <laughs> 50 or 60 year olds. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it was, it was interesting. Yeah, I mean that was just totally a different, a different genre, and it was different for its time too. But yeah, enjoyable. I could see myself maybe watching it, although I did just buy a couple seasons of The O.C. So yes! I think I'll be on that for a little while. Uh, can't wait to talk about it with you. Yes, we will. So, Murder, She Wrote came from CVS was not doing so hot in the ratings game 
They were being beat out by ABC, other places, and so one night they decided, let's air Murder on the Orient Express, because why not? This is the movie from 1974, based on the Agatha Christie novel, so they tried it. And they beat out their uh, their competitors, and they were like, interesting. Maybe <laughs> murder mystery is our genre. So they decided to try it with a female lead, which, listening to interviews with the producer, uh, producers on the show, and different people who worked on it, they were pretty surprised when the big guys were like, throw in a female lead. Because that was different. So they brought in Ag- not Agatha Christie. <laughs> so they brought in Angela Lansbury and loved her and she loved it she was in between this script and another one for a tv show and she said okay i'm gonna read this other one tomorrow i will let you know on monday which one i'm gonna choose and so she called them monday and said all right i'll go with uh murder she wrote and that was a good decision 12 seasons later yeah well and i would say another way it paid off you know me i love my award shows and if mm-hmm. i i'm more of an oscars fan than an emmys fan but if i could i would be tuning in to vote for angela lansbury mm-hmm. like i did when i was rooting for leonardo dicaprio to mm-hmm. win that oscar because yes. Poor Angela Lansbury. She was nominated for Best Actress every single season of Murder, She Wrote, and never won. Are you serious? Never. I'm 100% serious. She never won. I am definitely serious. I'm not never serious. (laughs) She was nominated 12 times for playing Jessica Fletcher, and she has an additional six nominations. So she has been nominated 18 times for Emmys and never won. That's upsetting. I know. So (laughs) this is more egregious than Leonardo DiCaprio, people, and that is saying something. So poor Murder, She Wrote. Not really poor Murder, She Wrote, because they were a rating smash, huge part of the CBS lineup, very successful. There were many things that they got that were awesome, and many other TV shows would have loved to have had (laughs) but they only won two of their a gajillion not really gajillion (laughs) nominations for best music and best costumes in their 12-year run which of course makes it an emmy winning show but in addition to jessica fletcher herself getting 12 nominations they had 28 additional nominations that didn't get them anything And I just think that is insane for a show that was that popular, lasted that long, and obviously had tons of nominations every single year that they only won two, and not even for Ms. Jessica Fletcher herself. That is very bizarre to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, 12 years leading... Like, how were other people winning? And meanwhile, (laughs) today, the past, like, what... Three years, the same actress has won for Best Actress in a Comedy Series. Uh, that is the problem Julia with the Emmys. Julia Dreyfus something. And here's the thing. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is a very talented woman, and no one will ever disagree with that. But we also live in a world where Parks and Rec won no Emmys, and I will just never forgive them for that. <laughs> now that said... They had a little more success at the Golden Globes. 
Angela Lansbury won three times and was nominated seven more. Mm. And they won Best Drama two times, plus four additional nominations. Well, good So the Golden Globes seemed to like Murder, She Wrote more than the Emmys. Well, I'm glad they got some recognition from some people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, of course, the millions of people who tuned in every week for 12 years seem to recognize them. (laughs) There is an article that was in... The L.A. Times in 1991, and it was an interview with Angela Lansbury, and she basically says, this show is really popular, but nobody in L.A. watches it, Hmm. kind of saying this show isn't really for industry people, and they don't even seem to know what's on, which is insane that so many millions of people watch it, and Hmm. they don't care. So she says, nobody in this town watches Murder, She Wrote. Only the public watches. The industry is barely aware the show exists. I don't even think they know that it's made here at Universal. They think it's made back east. It's a very well-kept secret in this town. The viewing public can tell you everything about the show. That's what's so extraordinary and has been so strange about my whole experience with this show. Hmm. And that was right before its eighth season was about to start. So it had been around interesting what the industry likes versus what audience likes usually very Mm -hmm. different i mean well and she had a theory about it too she was saying that she thinks it's because it's not quite the same taste it's not quite as edgy and she says it's a bit old-fashioned it doesn't have boobs or car chases or sex (laughs) or mayhem it's really unique unto itself which is the way it was designed in the first place I think it's needed, this type of entertainment, but the industry is not terribly interested in this type of show. Hmm. And she might be right. Yeah. Well, I would say overall it worked for her because for years she was stuck in cameos. It was just, Mm. oh, here's Angela Lansbury. You know, she's the maid in (laughs) Gaslight, which that was her first role. But then she starred across Katherine Hepburn in a couple movies. Just like she was with the big times, but she wasn't she wasn't at the same level of fame or recognition that, mm-hmm. you know, people like Katherine Hepburn were at the time. So she also a little connection to Gilmore Girls. She was in National Velvet and she played Elizabeth Taylor's older sister. Oh, we were just discussing Elizabeth Taylor last we episode. Were, and all of her her men, her partners, as Emily <laughs> called them. So she had lots of small roles, but never something of her own like this. And she really made it work so well for her that this formula didn't seem to work as well with others. I read an article saying that they tried to spin the show off with several characters who had smaller parts in the show, and none of them really stuck. Oh, including, this is the one that I find funny, Jerry Orbach, who went on to be Law and Order guy for so many years. So he went on to solve his own crimes, <laughs> and I guess it, this just wasn't the right format for him. However, he did star with her in Beauty and the Beast as Lumiere. Aww. So they stayed buddies, I hope. We'll say they did. Yeah, I have no reason to believe they didn't. But do you feel like her role as Mrs. Potts, she was, like, basically the same character, except she solved crimes (laughs) instead of brought two people in love together? 
You know, I think personality-wise, basically being the grandma with no one who she is an actual grandma to, yeah, I would say they're definitely similar. Angela Lansbury. She's just a nice lady. I know. Comes off that way for sure. Oh, sure. But this (laughs) show was not always super kind to her. Really? In some ways. It didn't seem like they were purposefully mean. But she was not a very big fan of the eight-day shoots that they were having. Ah. So they had seven-day shoots, but all the other TV shows were doing eight-day shoots. And they were like, let's do this. And she just said to him, like, guys, honestly, like, I will get a note from my doctor. It's, hmm. it's just too much. But then they went to the bargaining table. <laughs> oh, no. And I'll let you hear it for yourself. And, uh, and uh, at the end of the five years... But at the end of five years, um, i, I got to tell you, as an actress, I was ready to throw in the sponge. But as I've always said, uh, it, it, you know, when you're involved in a very, very successful show, which is really riding the crest, you can't walk away. It's very, very hard. And I wasn't about to walk away. But um, I didn't... But I managed to, uh, I was very well represented by my agents and by my my son, David. And uh, they made a deal which made it much more worthwhile for me to continue. And um, I had a sort of a a dream deal and I I continued. Well, uh, money (laughs) was very, very, very important, let's face it. Um, And that was about it, really. We just had to shoot eight days. I mean, there were no other perks other than that. So, basically, they gave her more money, and she's like, okay, (laughs) worth it. (laughs) But, you know, in part, some more of what she said is about that she had a whole crew relying on her, you know. Some of these people could Mm -hmm. go on to work on other shows, but others, that might not have been the case. And so for her to walk away would have meant a lot more people than just her out of the job. So, Mm -hmm. I mean... Money makes a big difference, right? If she has a little more money, maybe she can pay for a masseuse to come to her house every day. (laughs) Uh. That's one thing I've been hearing recently about the Roseanne cancellation, a show we, by the way, we talked about Roseanne in our last episode, and the news that it was getting canceled had not happened yet when we recorded. So if you listen to that episode and think that sounds funny, that's why. But that's one thing I've heard people point out in this last week or so is that, hey, when Roseanne lost this TV show, it wasn't really just about her. A lot of people lost their jobs Mm. who were involved behind the scenes, on the camera. It wasn't just her that this impacted. Yeah. So that's actually a pretty generous thing of her to do, too, when she wants to quit. And obviously she had a legitimate health concern, it sounds like. So nobody would have blamed her if she wanted to quit, but... That's very thoughtful of her to consider other people who are depending on her for their paycheck. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. And I mean, Roseanne should be noted that how many people had already quit before they even canceled it after that. So, you know, it looked like it was going to be over either way. But true that, it takes takes a village, a big village. Mm -hmm. Oh, my word. For sure. Yeah, but eight-day shoots, that is a lot for... I don't actually know how old she was. I keep saying, like, 50, 60. I don't know how old she well, was. Well, she's in her 90s now, I think. Wow. 
So this happened in the 80s? Mm-hmm, 80s and 90s. So I guess we'll say she was 60, yeah. About 60. I can't check your math on that, I'm going to be honest. I can't do it mentally. <laughs> Not everyone can be like me. <laughs> I'm going to just trust you. I think a really important thing to talk about as far as understanding this reference is about how much Angela Lansbury shaped the character of Rachel, what's her name? Jessica. Jessica Fletcher. Jessica Fletcher. I thought it was Rachel. And when I started listening to interviews and she started calling herself Jessica, <laughs> I was like, I thought your name was Rachel. So I don't know. Maybe they changed it after the pilot. No, I'm sure I just misheard and forgot. <laughs> but <laughs> anyways, how much she shaped that character considering the fact that Rachel did not call Paris Jessica Fletcher. She called her Angela Lansbury. Mm, good catch. So here's a, a little like mini doc made about the show. It has some of the producers and co-creator and writers and things on it. And they get talking about Angela Lansbury and uh, what she brought with her to this role. In the first place, it's it's on the page. But then, of course, as an actress, it's what you do with what is on the page. In the original concept, Jessica Fletcher was probably a little bit more eccentric and had general characteristics of an older woman. I wanted to eradicate that aspect of her and make her more kind of ready for the world. I think the character of uh, Jessica Fletcher became who she was because of Angela's input. I wanted every woman to find something about Jessica that they could could say, well, yes, I would, I would think that or I would react that way. I wanted to make her every woman. Angela brought sophistication and dignity and made her lovable. I mean, every cop in the world wanted to help her because they could flirt with her. Well, my adult was sure right about you, Mrs. Fletcher. I mean, she said you wouldn't mind me imposing on you at all. <laughs> How much of Jessica Fletcher is is really Angela Lansbury? And I would say, cumulatively, a lot. <laughs> you know, the guy said it not very eloquently, but what he said there at the end, just a lot of the character was Angela Lansbury herself. She put herself into it, but she also shaped it by what she thought would be best. But I think a lot of that was her. I kind of love that. And I love that she decided to make her a little more of an every woman. And I think that's a really good comparison. She feels very relatable in the episodes I've seen mm -hmm. her in. Of course, she's very intelligent. And, of course, the script lines things up in her favor quite a bit. There's a little <laughs> bit of a formula that seems to happen every time she solves a murder. <laughs> but she's very kind to everyone, and she's always, you know, no matter how many murders she's seen, in season 11, she's still offering people condolences for their <laughs> losses. Uh, she's not a hard cop. No. And another note, I, <laughs> I think it's so funny that every cop gives her a gives her insight into all their cases and asks for her help. I yes. just think that's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> uh, they just, they feel like they can trust her right away. Mm-hmm. Even when she's not in 
Cabot Cove, the different police officers will trust her. I just find it's that true. so funny. Even in the Big Apple. Even on infomercial sets. <laughs> There's a police chief of the infomercial set. <laughs> Well, wherever she is. Probably <laughs> New York. But you'd think there's probably more than one police chief in New York she interacts with. Probably. Mrs. Fletcher! Well, Detective Henderson! Oh, and it's Lieutenant Fogel, isn't it? Harry to you, Mrs. Fletcher. It's been a long time. I have to tell you, you're the last person in the world I expect to find in this uh, den of commerce. Are you here on business? Um, sort of, yeah. Lieutenant Gelber's up in the Caskills with his wife. The uh, captain assigned me to Lieutenant Fogel. Temporarily. I usually work alone. I remember. Something to do with being an only child. Kylo, what if I told you that Jessica Fletcher was not the sweet older lady you thought she was? Oh, no. There are some people who watch the show and think that Jessica Fletcher is not who she says she is. Why? Well, I've got some two pieces of evidence for you here, and let's see if we can get to the bottom of this case. I'm ready. In 2012, The Telegraph, a newspaper in the UK, decided to do a little study on the series. <laughs> and they found that Cabot Cove, Maine, has the highest murder rate per head of population. Oh my. With an average of 5.3 corpses per year turning up in the town. Oof. And because there were only about 3,500 people in the town, that is an alarming 1,490 murders per million, which is 60% higher than the murder rate in the country of Honduras, the real-life murder oh. capital of the world. Where, and this is tragic, I do not want to make a joke out of this, there's a violent death there every 74 minutes. <gasps> and Cabot Cove has a higher murder rate than this. Oh. So an <laughs> estimated 2% of Cabot Cove residents met a grisly end in those 12 years. And if you were a visitor, the murder rate was <laughs> even higher. <laughs> oh my gosh, visitors died more. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, tourism. and this is worse than many other TV settings, like Columbo and the Rockford Files, which were on at the same time. Those were set in Los Angeles. Higher murder rate than Los Angeles. Wow. Mm-hmm. And of note, toward the middle of the series, she started taking cases in New York, too. So there were many victims not included in this number mm-hmm. because they were not from Cabot Cove. Gotcha. So that's evidence point number one from the Telegraph. Okay. Number two, this is a theory I have heard elsewhere, but I found the most concise description of it from a website called theblot.com. Sounds reliable. Are you ready for your world to be shaken? Everything you think you know to be thrown over and turned over? And switched over. So everything, and it's like everything that I know, but the opposite. Yeah, kind of like a sitcom that Lorelai would love. Yeah. <laughs> Here it is. Conspiracy theory. Jessica Fletcher is the murderer for all 12 seasons. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and when they make this argument, it's hard to disagree. 
they say. It's highly implausible a civilian just happens to be at the scene of a mind-boggling number of murders. Even more implausible is how she's able to secure sufficient evidence via snooping and casual conversation. <laughs> People rarely question how a woman with a distinct English accent arrived at a sleepy town in Maine. Why would she choose such a small town? She never mentions the UK. Maybe she's running from something. We never found out how her husband Frank died. It's true. And what else could explain why Cabot Cove has the highest murder rate in the world? The murders follow her. When she's in New York City, innocently getting her hair done, a murder occurs. When she's on a stop on her book tour, a murder mysteriously happens. Perhaps her skill set is not in securing evidence, but in getting away with murder. Ooh. And she has multiple possible motives, like the attention she gets from being a crime-solving wonder kind and the money she makes off her books. Yeah. So maybe she's committing all these murders so she has something to write about and make money off them. Hole in that theory. Uh-huh. Does she also have the power of mind control? Well, here's another part of the article. <laughs> It says she knows how to shift suspicion and hide murder weapons. Maybe her voracious reading habits include hypnotic suggestion. Mm. Oh. Maybe she can hypnotize <laughs> these witnesses. Convince people they did the murder. Oof. I mean, she would need that because she got confessions. Mm -hmm. No problem. Because literally at the end of every episode, instead of the murderer then trying to kill her, they then explain to her all their motives and every step they took that she didn't explain for us. Does she also it's... hug each of them? No, but she often says, how could you? You were so close with the deceased person's mother, sister, father, <laughs> brother. It's basically the end of every Harry Potter novel where Dumbledore explains to Harry what the heck was going on the whole time. Why doesn't he just do that at the beginning? You know, these are the questions. Ah, uh, Harry Potter. These sucks. are the questions we no. have for J.K. Rowling. <laughs> I'm kidding. Now we're gonna get the hate mail. I'm, I have not read Harry Potter. J.K. Oh, I didn't read it till I was older either. Rowling. Rowling with the homies. <laughs> Sorry, you said JK. I just had to say it. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Intriguing. <laughs> Conspiracy theory. I totally understand why they would suspect her as the murderer because, wow, a lot of murders happen. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to say it's probably not the case. But it would be interesting <laughs> To do a new show. Ooh, let's do a reboot of Murder, She Wrote, and then she's the murderer the whole time. JK, <laughs> not rolling, because please stop rebooting shows. Well, side note, I think they heard you from the future. Because CBS looked at rebooting the show in 2013. Mm. But it was dropped, I think, shortly after Angela Lansbury said she was not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
they looked at getting Octavia Spencer for the role. And while Lansbury oh. was very complimentary of Octavia Spencer, saying, she's a wonderful actress, she said, I think it would be a mistake to call it Murder, She Wrote, because that show will always be about Cabot Cove and a wonderful little group of people who told these lovely stories and enjoyed a piece of that place and also enjoyed Jessica Fletcher, who is a rare and very individual kind of person. Wow. <laughs> Shade. Like, but very kindly said. Or maybe it was just your accent. Mm. It would have been nicer if she said it. She has a better accent than I do. And I have a cold right now, so any accent I have is a little daisily. So I think we're ready to talk about how this fits into the world of Gilmore Girls. Yeah? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. What does it mean? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I quit. Show over. Well, I think we're definitely... Are right on the money with picking this role of Angela Lansbury's to talk about over Mrs. Potts. Yeah, I know. I was on the fence for for a little while, but now that we've really about talked point it through, two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna guess it has something to do with how Angela Lansbury is so. I'm sorry, Jessica Fletcher, played by Angela Lansbury is so there for the small details and asking just the right questions. And she is able to find a bunch of terrible things happening in a small New England town. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's true. Small town. I didn't think about that connection. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, definitely Angela was never afraid of asking anyone a question. She's, oh, I need to talk to this person, this person. Tell me about this. And so she was very bold, which Paris definitely being very bold, <laughs> asking mm-hmm. uh, Luke if he was running a prostitution ring. So <laughs> definitely in that regard. And yeah, the small town, that makes a lot of sense. However, Paris was not quite as kind or warm, <laughs> I would say, as Angela. True. So that didn't fit. But... You're right, digging up dirt in a small town. I think I think that's it. Yeah, and she is definitely not afraid of finding the details. She's definitely not afraid of finding something that's not savory, as you might <laughs> say. She is there for the scandal. And I don't know if that's what Jessica Fletcher was intending, but she always was there for it. Yeah. Or maybe she was causing the scandal. You just never know. We never know. (laughs) Also, I think it's funny that she is suspicious of everyone in the diner. And that's probably what Jessica Fletcher had to be. She probably had to be suspicious of all her neighbors all the time. Yeah. Hmm. Poor Reverend Nichols never would have stood a chance in Cabot Cove. (laughs) Is that like Dr. Feelgood? (laughs) gosh yeah I think that's right on the money I think Rory knew what she was talking about I would agree well I will say there are a few other connections between Murder She Wrote and Gilmore Girls I love it remember when I said we might refer to the episode Crimson Harvest that I watched again about the winery 
Oh, yes. <laughs> As I was watching, there was a face I recognized. One Mitchum Huntsberger. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so if you have ever just been so frustrated with Mitchum Huntsberger on Gilmore Girls, so much so that you thought, man, I wish that he would die so I could rank it as the best death on Gilmore Girls. <laughs> then you should watch episode 1108 of Murder, She Wrote, because Greg Henry plays a winery owner who meets his end. Nice. <laughs> and this is his, he was in seven episodes of the show, so he wasn't just a one-off. Wow. He was a Cabot Cove resident who owned a winery. And he met his demise. Huh. And there were a few other Gilmore Girls faces that I found. And I will oh. tell you, there are hundreds, maybe even thousands of people who were on this show because it ran mm. for 12 seasons. Right. And every episode was a different premise. So Babette, Sally Struthers, <gasps> oh. made an appearance in one episode. Our favorite Tom the Construction Guy, played by <laughs> Biff Yeager. He was in two episodes. Headmaster Charlson, played nice. by Dakin Matthews, three episodes. And this is my favorite. Adam Wiley, who played Paris's nemesis Brad from Chilton. Oh, my <laughs> word. How old is he? Well, his name in the show was Boy. <laughs> he nice. didn't have a name. Gotcha. So I think he was pretty little, oh, but there were probably more people that I just missed trying to comb through yeah. the cast list because just listen to some of these other names that were on the show early in their careers. George Clooney, Courtney Cox, Neil Patrick mm. Harris, Joaquin Phoenix. Wow. Juliana Margulies. So all these people who went on to do some big things. And we already mentioned Jerry Orbach. He was on there. That was pre-Law & Order. So yeah, lots of people got their start there. And there are tons more. I will have a link in our Tumblr to some of the famous guest stars that have been on Murder, She Wrote. Nice. It's fun to see some of the early roles of mm -hmm. stars. And I have one last Gilmore Girls Murder, She Wrote connection, and this mm. is a fun one. I will share this on our Tumblr, but I found a comic strip that somebody made that's a Murder, She Wrote Gilmore Girls crossover. Oh, my word. As if, as if Angela Lansbury's Jessica Fletcher just happened to be biking by while they're staying at that crazy cat inn on the road trip to oh. Harvard episode. <laughs> and it was written by people who have worked for Marvel. <laughs> it's a pretty legit comic strip and it's very cute. So I will share that on our Tumblr. That's awesome. How long is that? It's only one panel. I mean, well, uh, it is one page, mm. but it is nine panels. Ooh, and it's I very look forward cute. to reading that. Alrighty. It'll be on our Tumblr. Nice. So, uh, Taylor. So, Kyla. Is that our show? That's our show! Yeah! Whoop, whoop. So it's a show we recorded. <laughs> and so it's a show with lots of murders. 
Would you say some of the best murders and some of the worst murders? Some of the best, some of the worst. You know, it's a <laughs> mixture. Never liked that winery guy. Yeah. Mitchum Huntsberger. Mitchum. If you ever need some catharsis, there it is for you. <laughs> I love it. Oh, guys, <laughs> have you watched the full series of Murder, She Wrote? Please. All 264 episodes? Yeah, mad respect if you have. Please let us know <laughs> because you are an expert. Let us know what you think. As I said earlier, for all your angry comments and your happy ones, <laughs> you can reach us at so it's a show at gmail.com. Leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love it. We need some season two ones. And you can tweet at us at so it's a show on Twitter because that's where you tweet. Uh-huh. You can also find us at tinyletter.com slash so it's a show if yeah. you want to sign up for our tiny little email list. And what else? I'm forgetting something. That's no? it. That's it. We're boring. We have finite ways to connect with us. Oh, I hope that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Here's a clue for our next episode. So, shall we? Shall we what? Shall we go? Go where? Go eat. Excuse me? The person who buys the basket wins the company of the person who makes the basket for lunch. Basket. Basket maker. Guy who didn't bring enough money. You think this is funny? Well, it's not Lenny Brewster team, but it has its moments.